This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. And now, the Blaze Radio Network presents 40 Acres and a Fool. Here's your host, Cam Edwards. Greetings from the near frontier. Thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Underneath the stars at the kitchen, not the kitchen, at the picnic table. The picnic table. Uh, the the picnic table. Yep. And Miss E is with us as well. Hello, Miss E. Yay. Hello. Here I am. Yes, so... Uh, we've got some stuff to talk about. We're, uh, it's not going to be all serious all the time, but um, uh, a lot of you have written in and have uh, been sending us your well wishes. We're going to get to, um, I, I want to get to each and every one of those later on uh, in the program, but I know that you are all waiting, and I'm sorry for the cliffhanger. I'm sorry that uh, we're a little late in delivering this podcast. Last week was just kind of a crazy week, and then I was gone over the weekend. Um, but uh, so when when we last left off, uh, we were right. Uh, we were waiting to hear from the uh, doctor about Missy's test results, which we thought would happen uh, early last week. And, uh, and it did not happen early last week. It happened last Thursday when we finally heard from the doctor. Uh, so tell them the good news, Missy. E. Okay, so the PET scan did what they were hoping it would do. So the mass in, the, in my left lower lobe in my lung... Try to say that four times fast with all those L's. Anyway, um, it did what the doctors were hoping it would do. It actually consumed all the glucose and the nuclear medicine. And the really good news is that they didn't find any nuclear medicine in my lymph nodes. So basically, I wasn't like, you know, a sparkler. I was just more like a candle flame. It was just this one glowy bit and everything mm-hmm. and versus several glowy bits. So that's actually a good thing. So thank you, everybody who's been praying for good news. That's really, really good news. Um, the, the next step is uh, talking to a surgeon, and the good thing is is that my pulmonologist was very retroactive. When they scheduled the PET scan, they went ahead and made an appointment with the surgeon because they know it can take several weeks. So I already have my appointment. Um, yeah, so as we, record, as we are recording this, uh, we are the night before yeah. uh, an appointment, so and so we're we're a little on edge. We're a little freaked out. Uh, I don't want to lie. I'm a lot freaked out. I'm so scared. But I know I'm not really afraid of the surgery. I'm I'm kind of not looking forward to pain because you know with we we between I've I've had five children between you and I we've had three epidurals don't work when the dentist gives me medicine they have to inject me with extra stuff it's just like ow. so here's here, I'm just worried I, about the owie part I don't know if of this that. I don't know if this is gonna make you feel any better this cannot hurt worse than having twins no not I mean like honest yeah, honestly probably it's gonna be like having a baby out of the by lung however. I watched I watched that happen <laughs> I mean like they cannot hurt worse than having twins yeah but uh, yeah parts of it I'm just I know I should not have googled the whole surgery no, you thing should I should have just waited to talk to the doctor tomorrow <laughs> i'm trying to be positive and not so freaked out i'm also like i'm a little germaphobic 
I don't really have the cleanest house in the planet, but I wash my hands all the time, and we clean, you know, when, you know, we, we have dogs, it's fuzzy. Right. It's, it's a clean house. Um, but I'm the person who, when they go to the bathroom and they wash their hands and dry their hands with a paper towel, I always use the, the paper towel to grab the doorknob, even if it means I have to, <laughs> right. like, throw the door in an odd way, grab it with an elbow, and fling the paper towel to the trash can. Yeah. Um, sure tails are, are good for that. Uh, t-shirt. Uh, well, I'll, I'll grab uh, the shirt if I have a coat or if uh, I have a long sweater. I'll do that. Tuck it but, in, right? Yeah. Um, then you got the germs on your sleeve. But, and that's yeah, I know, but I'm just so freaked out about the germs in the hospital. I really am. Okay, so if we have any medical professionals who are listening, um, this, this would be a really good opportunity to reassure Missy. Uh, because one of the things that, you know, I talk about every now and then on Cam and Company is the fact that we have 250,000 deaths due to medical mistakes right. in this country every year. And I know the statistic, <laughs> and he's like, oh, Compared no, to be about- okay. And I'm like... You you tell me to read. You tell me these things. Okay. How am I supposed to not be? So, but here's but here's the thing. <laughs> so so here's the thing. Yeah. Um, a lot of those deaths are due to, as you said, simple things like not washing your hands. So you as a patient have the so I'm be a, you, wash your hands. you have no you have the right to say. To anybody who comes through that door, hey, I'm sorry, I didn't see you wash your hands. Could Glove you? up or wash up? Right, exactly. <laughs> That's your right to do that. Yes. And and I will be there to make sure that that happens, too. I might be unconscious during some of those times, so yeah. And just, and you uh, are, you know, again, outside of the uh, evil twin I'm growing, really living in your lung, you're, you're, you're really healthy. I haven't even actually felt sick this most of this time. I get out of breath when it's hot right. or coming outside or strenuous, but it's I'm not in pain. Uh, this has been a sleeper thing, so I have to kind of be grateful for the fact that on May 27th, when I felt, thought I was having a heart attack, and it mm-hmm. just ended up being really bad indigestion, coupled with the fact that I couldn't catch my breath, right. that I actually went to the emergency room and followed up with a pulmonologist, because it's big, and I don't know how, yeah. you know, it's it's not anywhere else, but who knows if we hadn't have gone and acted up on this. So, yeah, I'm... I'm glad I actually listened to my doctor and went to the hospital that day. Thank you very much. I am too. As yeah. uh, as you know, freaky and scary as the summer has been, um, I'm really glad that we were able to catch it. Ah, but this has been the summer of suck. Yeah, it has been the summer of suck. It's been doing this medical stuff. The garden is a piece of sh- <laughs> Schmidt. <laughs> I have pepper plants. I think I want to talk to our producer, Khalid. I need to ask him if it's okay if he just, he can just bleep us out at some point in the future. I I hate to make more work for him, but uh, if you need to let it it slip, I I think everybody will understand. (laughs) I I, I did a good job right there, I thought. (laughs) You did. I have pepper plants. That's it. I have, I have. You had some cucumbers. I had some cucumbers. I had enough cucumbers to make two jars of pickles. Mm -hmm. So, yay. The carrots that I scrounged up end up getting to the hogs. But the pepper plants are actually producing. I put up two quarts of, I don't know what I've got, peppers in two jars. And if the plants that have managed to last the longest are the ghost peppers, this is going to be a (laughs) wicked, bleeping, fermented hot sauce next season. Right. But, yeah, I started, I got two quarts, so... I got a positive. They're, that's the only thing, other than the six-foot-tall weeds that look like there's something out of a Dr. Seuss book. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Have you seen the Florax? It lives in the Weezax. I know. And he's like, where's the Weezax? Oh, that's in, in the, the back garden. <laughs> <laughs> like down on 40 acres and a fool. Yeah. Yeah. 
uh, growing inventive new weeds. I think oh. maybe some new discoveries, some cross pollination of weeds might and have been going on. Letting the goats run around and the blipping deer here, they have eaten almost all of the nine apple trees I planted several yep. years ago. But I did see at that Sprouse's Corner greenhouse. Yeah. They are selling big, big fruit trees. Oh, really? So I was thinking of going down and checking out the price. Nice. Okay. All right, we're going to take a quick time out. When we return here on this edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network, we'll, uh, we'll have more from the 40 Acres. So stick around. We're just getting started. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to the picnic table, Cam. And Miss E with you here on a uh, pretty beautiful summer evening. We haven't had a lot of these lately. No, it's been oppressively humid. Yeah. So even in the evening, if it it, it, it never feels cool because you're just so wet, you sweat. <laughs> it's so gross. And it's really funny. Like we have we have friends who live out in the deserts. I call it Mars, but most people call <laughs> it Arizona. Um, and I was I saw something they shared a weather report, and they actually have like. Where it's so dry, it feels cooler in the summer. Mm-hmm. Like, I've never had that. On Saturday, he, you get to be off in Colorado at the <laughs> alcohol, tobacco, and firearms shindig with the Independence mm-hmm. Institute. And I'm here with 92 <laughs> degrees, but it feels like 100 because of the humidity. Right. By the time I finished walking around the yard and getting everybody's water, man, I was like... <gasps> <sighs> <laughs> Meanwhile, yeah, it was like 83 degrees in Colorado, and it felt like it was 83 degrees in Colorado. But I, I never heard of the negative thing before. Yeah. Like, I guess it's only in places that are so horribly Mars-like, dry, then <laughs> <laughs> that you're like that. I don't get it. I, I find Arizona to be starkly beautiful, but uh, yeah, you think it looks like Mars. There's probably pretty places. A, a friend of ours posted a picture. I was like, wow, that's really pretty for... Arizona, and she said, "Well, that's because it's in Colorado." I'm like, "Well, that explains a lot." <laughs> I don't know. I mean, so it's, it's so it's interesting because I love Virginia. I just I love this. I love the geography. I love the topography throughout the state. I yeah. can go from the Tidewater and then in the Piedmont, uh, and then you know into the Blue Ridge and the Appalachians. And I just I love the variations. Yeah. And but it's there's just, a lot. It's, there is a lot going on, and we have seasons. Yeah, and we have a pretty fall. Um, but I, you know, like on, on an even bigger scale, I, I love that's one of the things I love about this country is that it is there are a lot of different places. Oh, yeah. Right. There's no one oh, mental image of this is what America looks like. No, but there are some places that kind of remind you of other places. Like, like, there's, like Arizona reminds you of Mars. Uh, no, and <laughs> Oklahoma City reminded me of some parts of Sacramento when I went out for a job interview at one point. There okay. was like that same grid feeling with sure. similar housing style. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, mean I, I get that. And like, There's some parts of southern New Jersey that feel like here because it's more mountainous and there's more farmland. 
Right. So, yeah. Yeah, you, there there are fields. I will give you yeah, that, yeah. that. There are fields and there are regions. But no, I've driven across between... I haven't driven all the way across, but I've driven between the East Coast and Oklahoma, and we've taken... I think every single possible way you can get there, because I think between, I think I calculated one trip, we went through 15 or 17 states Mm -hmm. to get there and back so we could see different things. Right. And yeah, it's, it's amazingly various and beautiful and dynamic. But yeah, I have to say that of all the places that we've, I've lived. Uh, which is like three states. Um, I like Virginia the most. I, I grew up in Oklahoma. I, I, I love Oklahoma. It'll always be my spiritual home. Oh, I love Oklahoma for but a lot of what it was like there. Virginia is awesome. prettier. Yeah, she's way prettier. Hate to say it, but it's interesting because I, you know, I was just I drove down to Bristol and back, so I was just like you Bristol, know, Tennessee, Bristol, Tennessee, right, and Bristol, Virginia, right on the border. Um, and so I just kind of been, you know, soaking in Virginia and then I go out to Colorado and it's very, very different. Uh, and you know, we were out in Bennett, Colorado, which is east of Denver. So it's on the plains. Kind of flat. Right. Kind of like and, Oklahoma uh, flat. Very much like Oklahoma flat. Yeah. And so it was, it was, it was kind of neat to be out there for a, a day and the folks at the Independence Institute, they throw a heck of a party. <laughs> uh, it's like I said, uh, it's called the Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms Party. So it's a sporting clays, uh, you know, tournament in the morning. And uh, then there's a lunch with really good barbecue. Uh, I don't know how the teriyaki chicken was, but it looked pretty good. But I had the pulled pork because mm. I always say yes to pork. Pulled pork, yeah. And, um, and it was fantastic. And then there was uh, your choice of uh, libations, including some Colorado local uh, distilleries. There nice. was... Uh, Spring 44, which made vodka that uh, was was there. And then there was a whiskey called the Axe and the Oak, I think is what it was. I had stickers that I brought home for you, but I left them in the rental car. Oh, no. Yeah. I hope you didn't leave the receipts in the rental car. No, okay. they're there All right, in awesome. my bag. But... Um, so great, uh, the the uh, both the Spring 44 and the uh, the Cask and the Oak, or the Axe and the Oak, uh, were really good. Um Anyway, sorry, I digress. It was it was a big part of the uh, the party. There was the the booze. So where was and the cigars? I was going to say that was the tobacco. I was going to say part. where was the tobacco? Okay, cigars. Cigars yep. at the uh, boozy yeah. thing. Yep. And nice. So, Did you? So have everybody any? everybody shot first, and then you know well, yeah, after you, all the shooting was yeah, done, and you the don't want a bunch away. of people drinking and then shooting. Nope. There's no bloody mary well, breakfast. That's, but that's whole. That's part of the whole thing is that you know this event. John Caldera, the head of the Independence Institute, said. This is to show that adults can be adults and they can have fun responsibly and we don't need to be nannied and we know what the rules are. We, we can be responsible because it's the responsible thing to do. Yeah, this is why we don't need right? the gun control laws because of people like that. We, you know. So let's preach responsibility as yeah. opposed to, you know, telling people if you, uh, uh, you know, we're not going to, we don't want you to get educated. We're not going to, in fact, we're not going to allow you to get educated. We're just going to tell you this is how you have to be. And when you violate the ever-changing set of rules, then we get to criminalize you. Um, the Independence Institute is sort of the opposite of that. Yeah. So uh, so I was uh, lucky enough to be invited to be part of a panel featuring Chris Ching, uh, the former Top Shot champion uh, who lives oh, out in yeah. Silicon Valley, worked for Google, now he works for Square. Um, oh, okay. He, you know, I he got is to, such a good shot. Yeah, he's he, amazing, and he's a cool guy. Yeah, I mean, like, you, you've he's had just him a really on, nice guy. You've had him on your show. Yeah, a we had times. him down in Farmville actually. Oh, nice. Um, I don't yeah. think I met him. I think uh, I even blurbed his book. In fact, I know that I blurbed his book "Shoot to Win" Ooh. because he gave me a copy, and it's really good stuff. So Chris and his husband were were there, 
and Carrie Lightfoot, who is the founder of the Well Armed Woman. Uh, who lives out on Mars uh, in oh, Arizona? Okay, <laughs> uh, joined, and this is a cool. Uh, this is a, a really cool program. So she started the Well Armed Woman in 2012. So it's been around for a little bit, a little bit four-ish years. Four-ish years, not yeah. quite four years yet. And there are two components to it. So there's a a shooting league component, right? And a like a bowling league only with guns and yeah, and like an education and yeah, training and, and league stuff. Yeah, right. That's what we need. Um, and then there's a, a sort of a accessories clothing side of it. Okay. So the well, chapters have grown to more than 300 chapters around the country and over 10,000 members. Wow. Since 2012. Right. Uh, and Carrie's getting it done. She's awesome. So, um, and I was just sort of there, you know, because they, I guess they needed another space. Uh, anyway. Oh, uh, no. You're awesome. Everybody loves you. And Laura Carno from I Am Created Equal uh, moderated this. And Laura was uh, instrumental in the recall elections out in Colorado uh, when the gun control bills were rammed through. Oh, and then yeah. lawmakers got recalled. Um, and she does great work. Uh, she's actually working on a project right now that I think is really cool about... Um, uh, anyway, I don't I actually I don't know if I can talk about it right now. It might be sort of like secret squirrel stuff, but I'll be able to talk about it in a little bit. Yeah. Um, and some of my favorite folks were there. Uh, Sean Maloney uh, from Buckeye Farms Association. You met Sean out in Colorado. Tall lawyer, bald like me. Doesn't wear a baseball hat. No, no, or, uh, Ohio. I'm sorry. Um, oh, he was at here. The thing. Yeah, yeah. We, okay. we went out to dinner. Yeah, yeah. And so Sean was there, and they're doing a, a program out in Ohio called Faster which is training for uh, school staff and employees. And it's basically the, the awesome. same amount of law enforcement training. So nobody can complain that they don't get trained enough because right. they actually get like, I think it's, I don't want to, I don't want to misrepresent, but I think it's like 76 hours of training. Oh, wow. Um, and they have put thousands of, of teachers and staff through this program in Ohio over the past few years. Right. Are they going into other states? Uh, I, they're 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 looking. There's been a lot of interest, but you know, it's it's because uh, I know there's I some schools in, the, in Texas that are trying to arm their teachers. Right. So Sean was out there, um, and anyway, it was a uh, just a really good event. It was just a great celebration of freedom. Everybody had a good time. I got Fun. to meet some of the folks uh, who I uh, am friends with on Twitter when I'm on Twitter, which I, I will be soon. Uh, so I got to meet Seth. Let's go skate pool on uh, Twitter. And Seth is very, very cool. Uh, lives up in the Aspen area. Was uh, uh, talking about how uh, there's the one airport in the mountains that is uh, big enough to handle Air Force One, and it's not too far away from from where he lives. And so that's where all the people come in. Um, and there's now a direct flight from Dulles, outside of Washington D.C., to Aspen. Okay, so I want to. And go. I'm and I'm thinking to myself. So Aspen used to be the, it still is. It's the home of the rich, I, yeah, the I'm summer thinking, home of the rich and the powerful. Do right? I, why do I want to go to Aspen? Well, here's the thing: should there be enough people in Washington D.C. to make it worthwhile to have regularly scheduled flights there? Like, Outside of Dulles, yes, because you forget all the <laughs> those rich McMansiony things. Oh no, 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 no! no. I'm not forgetting vicinity. them. It just it's another sign, like you know, when Washington D.C. was first built. I tell you what, I'm going to go off on a rant, but we need to take a break. So let's go ahead and get the break out of the way, and then I'm going to go off on a rant. Stick around. We've got more 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network coming up right after this. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network.
The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something. And progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back here on 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Cam Edwards, Missy, at the picnic table. Surprisingly not buggy. A lot of crickets. You can hear the crickets and you can hear the frogs, and I think you can hear some coyotes off in the distance. Yeah. Something is yip-yipping. I heard them to the south uh, a couple of nights ago, howling. But now I hear yipping more to the north yeah, east. I, yeah, that away. Yeah, that's where the cows are, though, so I'm, I don't know. I don't either. It might just be dogs in the... No, there's a howl. I don't know if it got picked up by the mic, but uh, definitely some yeah, definitely yeah. some yipping. I don't, know, and I don't know if it's like the hounds that the people have here around no, here. No, to me those a, are more of a... You can tell the difference. Well, coyotes are really like tiny... Yeah, like yeah, really yip, little yips. yips, but I don't know about wolves when they're barking I about. I don't, I don't actually. I take that back. I suppose there are red wolves. We have. Well, I guess. I guess I've I've seen fox and coyote. I don't think I've seen wolves on the property. I've seen some the the coyotes are the tall, lanky, nasty things, right? Yeah, yeah. And then the fox are the cute little annoying red things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've yeah, seen them in the yard. <laughs> Yeah. So I was getting ready to go on just a little bit of a rant. Yep, sorry, we were talking about That's the flora right. and fauna, but go ahead. I was just going to say, here's what bugs me about the direct flight from Dulles to Aspen. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and it's just a minor thing, and it's really more indicative of a broader issue. The, the issue is not that there's a direct flight from Dulles to Aspen. The, the issue is that there is apparently a demand that, that is met by having a direct flight between Washington, D.C. and Aspen. You know... Uh, it, it, Aspen is again it's the playground of the wealthy yeah. right whether it's the celebrities or it's the uh, industrialists and sort of to me the last thing that Washington needs is to be palling around at the expense of hanging out with ordinary Americans with the the people who live Rich in people. Aspen yeah, right and no. like like get out of the Hamptons get out of Aspen I realize that's where the money is and I realize it takes money to run campaigns I realize all of these things I'm yes. not saying you can't have them as your friends I'm just saying you need to expand your circle of friends a little bit yeah yeah um, so that kind of bothers me and for most of our history our nation's capital was a backwater bleep hole. I mean, it was, it was nasty. Yeah. yeah. Like people didn't. You didn't want to be there. You, right. It was, you know, and to get there took months for most members of Congress. Right. I mean, it was kind of a chore. And when you were there, you ended up staying in boarding houses with like 12 of your fellow Congress person people. And, and there's probably a reason why they've always had the summer off, because historically that part of the, the world is just nasty with mosquitoes. Right. So it's not typically been a pleasant place, and now there's air conditioning, and there's you know, and it's, it's modern amenities, so, <laughs> right? Yeah, we need and, to not and it's just have getting, that. I don't know, like break I, mentality. Yeah, uh, and you know, I don't know, particularly with like the creative side. I I, I think that uh, I think Hollywood has typically done better when it's had a somewhat adversarial relationship with Washington D.C., not when it's really really chummy with politicians. You know, that's just kind of gross and annoying and sycophantic and. 
Yes, uh, well, they're all in each other's pockets. Well, and just, and just and not even just in their pockets; they're in each other's, you know, social circles. Like there's, well, there's that's this. What I meant weird... by in each other's pockets, okay. not, not not money wise. Just okay. everybody's into each other's stuff. Yeah. So anyway, there's my little rant about the uh, the flight from Dulles to Aspen. I wonder if they'll like do anything about that, though. Like, no, you know, they're not. There's not going to be any changes. Like, the more. It seems to me, though, like if you look back historically at the last few presidents, like we are a TV country. And so there, the more there is of TV, the more there is the president trying to humanize himself by showing up on talk shows and things like mm-hmm. that. But it wasn't at the beginning of TV. The beginning of TV was all serious and State of the Union addresses. But the last couple of presidents, I think... With Clinton playing the saxophone on the late night thing. Mm-hmm. Arsenio Hall. I think that's kind of where, in my brain, it sort of went, started going downhill. Like, I don't want my president to be entertaining and amusing. I want my president to be effing in charge <laughs> and hardcore and get it done. I don't care that he likes me or doesn't like me. I just want him to love my country and do the right thing. Okay, so that, those are two different... I think those are two di- different and distinct things because I think no, the, I think that the one well, is that okay, they're well, playing around when they're yeah, not I, I getting they're but not I'm getting just, respect. No, but me. I'm just saying these are these are these are like so they're two different areas because the whole you know I'm your friend I'm your buddy I'm your pal and I like you and I care about you as an individual no, line I don't from want politicians that. I know but that predates television that you go back to FDR and that was. A big well, part of the, the New Deal. That, but that was right? the, that's also where the downward spiral started. Well, um, so so the other aspect of the the, the television uh, impact, I just got I've, I've been muddling through Marshall McLuhan's uh, understanding media, which is where the phrase "the medium is the message" comes from, and ah. uh, Neil Postman's "Amusing Ourselves to Death," which talks about TV's influence on how we think and how we look at things. Oh yeah, that's on my cue. Yeah, <laughs> and so. Um, I would say that, you know, that moment that you described with Bill Clinton, like that was our generation's moment. But if you go back in an earlier generation, uh, it was probably the television debate between Nixon and Kennedy in 1960. Yeah, but that's a debate. Like, yeah, but but what settled that debate in a lot of people's minds was that uh, Richard Nixon looked like ass (laughs) and he didn't have makeup on. Uh. and Kennedy took makeup and Nixon didn't shave. And he was a guy who shaved like three times a day because he had such five o'clock shadow. Well, yeah. And he was sick the week before the debate, and so he was pasty and pale. And Nixon, there, uh, Kennedy had just vacationed, I think, in Florida. And he also had makeup. And so, so that yeah. was like if people. It's, it's sort of an apocryphal story that people who listened to the debate on the radio thought that Richard Nixon won, and people who watched it on TV thought that John Kennedy won. Oh. Um, and so that was, I think, maybe the first moment. Okay. Well, I wasn't but, enough for that. Right. Exactly. But Probably for not. our generation. <laughs> Clinton playing and and Clinton appearing on MTV. Yeah, yeah. And right. I just I don't I don't want my president to be a happy go lucky guy. Hi there. I want my president to be like uh, kind of a hard ass. (laughs) Take charge, get it done. And don't apologize. Just if you if or, or, or I guess if you screw up, apologize. But just just How about this? Accept responsibility. Accept responsibility. And don't be a big fat liar about things. Well, that would be that would be nice too. But 
you know, that's, I don't know. Uh, Lying is kind of part and parcel of being a politician. I'm sure that Polly, many speak, probably has a lot to do with it, right? I, yeah, and I, think, look at the root. and I think part of it is we now accept it as voters because we, oh, we feel God, like we're yes. used to There'd it. There'd be no way that Hillary Clinton would have as many people who say that they're actually going to vote for her is if they actually followed their brains instead of their... I don't know what programming. Like seriously, so there's I, no reason that this person should even be running for president because she's such a complete and total liar, and she she's lied so bad about so many things. You're like, I don't trust her with running the country because she's just going to keep lying, and then she's going to be the first woman president, so she's going to be coddled just like the first black American president was coddled, so the news media is never going to report negatively on her. It's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, if she wins the next four years, we're all just going to be, and I don't have to uh, do that. Um, I'm not a real... Dial it down. Take a breath. Big fan of the other (laughs) side, but you know what? I'd rather have someone who keeps sticking his foot in his mouth rather than someone who's going to stick a knife in my back. All right, there you go. Missy's editorial corner. We're going to uh, take you a timeout. I did. I had we, to have my little we rant. We just get a rant. Yep. There you go. Woo! All right, we're going to take a timeout. I'm time not quite out. out of breath yet. We're going to calm down. <clears throat> Maybe do, do a little yoga. Yeah. Listen to some Kenny G. Ah, no. <laughs> Christopher Cross. Uh, no, it's sneaker pips. When you get caught between the moon and New York City. <laughs> That's uh, what I listen to. Calm down. All right, stick around. We've got more. 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network coming up next. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. So, uh, Kirsten, you're more in touch with things that are cool than I am. So tell me, what does bay mean? Oh, before anyone else. Oh. All right. One of yeah. my team bucket, they like to joke around with me and they told me it meant bacon and eggs. I don't I didn't know. It's okay. <laughs> I flavor. think you've been fooled. I, I know. Oh, it wouldn't be the first time. Buck Sexton. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. So thanks again for tuning in to this edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. And thank you again for all of the emails uh, that uh, we received this week. Uh, James uh, in uh, Cape May, New Jersey with prayers, best wishes, and a chuckle. I'm going to share this with Miss E right now so you can get the chuckle, Jim. <laughs> That's cute. It's a meme. It's a duck and a pig hanging out together. What's the difference between bird flu and swine flu? One requires tweetment, and the other requires oinkment. Uh, Thank you, James. That's awesome. Laughter is the best medicine. Surgery, actually, is probably the best medicine, but laughter (laughs) is probably going to help with the recovery. Uh, Diane. Unless I laugh so hard, I pop a stitch. So there you go. Um, uh, Diane, uh, writing in, says, uh, just listen to the episodes of the 5th and the 12th. I'm deeply moved by your situation, Missy, and I want to let you know that I'm praying for your health, your peace of mind, and your family. You once again shared stories of your time in New Jersey. I am filled with admiration for what you have accomplished in life, to come from Section 8 housing, to be the mistress of the famous 40 acres, from government cheese to making your own cheese, from your own goats, would you milk yourself, no less. I think you are remarkable. You inspire me, and I just want you to know that. 
Oh, thank you. I'm all verklempt. It's so sweet. So thank you, Diane, for that thank uh, you very, very much. much. Uh, Amy, uh, a.k.a. Grumpy Seamstress on uh, Twitter. <laughs> I love a seamstress. <laughs> grumpy is the best kind. You've got your grumpy T-shirt on today right now, as a matter of fact. Yep. So there you go, Amy. Uh, Amy says, I'm sorry that your race got drowned. Bristol is one of the best tracks. And in prayers for Missy, I hope she gets some good news soon. Well, Amy, thank you very much. And, thank you. Uh, and we did uh, get some, some good news, yeah. uh, all things considered. All things considered. So, um, also, uh, Liz in New York says, I'm sending my thoughts and prayers along to Missy e and the family as the doctors work to figure out what's going on. You all are definitely in my thoughts and my prayers. Liz says, my life is in flux, but I used to live on 25 and a half acres. We had a large garden, a high tunnel, chickens, an orchard, and beehives. The bees improved the pollination in the garden. Yeah. Chickens summered in the garden in a chicken tractor. Yep. Took care of bugs, helping the garden, and excess corn, helping me. The cobs left over from the chickens were dried and worked extremely well in the smoker needed to extract honey from the bees. Mm. It was this crazy, neat, interconnected web. It was fun to experience the interconnections. I feel like your webcast is a lifeline back to my dream of a homestead farm. Thank you for sharing and providing the connection to others who also have this dream. And Liz, thank you for for writing in. And, you know, you're you're right about that interconnectedness. Uh, Not to go all, you know, crunchy uh, in in granola, but... uh, when you grow up in the suburbs and, you know, like the closest you get to nature is mowing your yard or picking up the dog poop when you're walking your, your family pet, you miss these connections. You don't you don't see them. Yeah. And so you don't know that they're there. Um, but when you are experiencing these connections and you're actually seeing how do I have a big bug on me? Mm-hmm. OK, thank you. Missy is giving me like the hairy eyeball. It was like, something on your bright. It was on the brim of your baseball cap. I'm like, what? It was, no, it I'm was making casting sense. Casting a shadow. So I'm I promise, sorry. I'm making sense. No, it's all um, fine. I got it. Okay, now I'm a little freaked out. I thought we weren't buggy, but maybe we are. Um, but now that you know, when you were around it, and you actually can see, you know, what it, what 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 an ecosystem actually means. Right. What it means to have you know symbiotic relationships, and and to see the interplay uh, between you know fowl. And the uh, plant life, it's, it is it is really cool. And all of a sudden, you know, things, again, that we, we think are really simple and we take for granted, uh, you recognize just, you know, how complex uh, and special, I think, you know, life really is. Anyway, that's maybe my crunchy digression. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now you're looking at me like you're just, you're crazy. Yeah, I know. It's uh, cute and crunchy. <laughs> but no, it's like the circle of life, man. Circle of life, Hakuna Matata. Uh, Rob in Southern California. Um, I almost Rob. I almost didn't answer this because you're talking about a Cam and Company episode, but it's okay. We can call this a crossover email. So. <laughs> That's all right. So uh, Rob says, as I watched the waning minutes of Cam and Company, the topic of dying towns came up. Yeah, and this was a bit of a crossover topic anyway on uh, NRA News Cam and Company. I guess it would. Uh, Rob says, I can't help thinking that if residents just hang on a little longer, things will get better. But alas, logic gets in the way. Oh, Detroit. I'm at a point in my life where I don't need a job. I have a generous pension and, of course, Social Security. These are things that I'm sorry to say may not be available to subsequent generations. Why not? It's a good question. Anyway, back to dying towns. He says, I have elderly parents here in California, so I'm tied to this location for now. But as soon as I can, I'll be leaving my home that has been invaded by anti-gun jerks and moving to better digs. I may move to one of those dead towns if for no other reason than to spend my money and hope to bring it back, uh, bring back a little life to a community that deserves to endure. A small town sounds quite appealing to me. I've never experienced a sense of community before, and I think that I would like that. And with the Internet now, I mean, seriously, between uh, Amazon and Jet, you can get pretty much everything you need online. 
Yeah. So you can live in the middle of nowhere. You can have a tel- telecommuting job or not. You can just have internet and keep in touch with your family and your friends and your loved ones. And you just got to uh, you got to make sure, Rob, that you find a welcoming community and not a clannish and you know <laughs> closed off small town, right? Yeah, you want to be careful of that. But I suppose <laughs> if I were a member of a tiny little community that was uh sorry we have yelling cows in the background i think i'm not too sure when this is like oh no i think this is like mating season oh yeah this is when that sets up uh, the separating the babies from the moms is a little later and it's a different type. it's usually cooler in the year but uh-huh. i think this is this is the bulls like really hollering because you can hear them like over the rolling hills out here yeah um anyway a little distracting it was distracting and i totally lost my track Small towns, moving to small towns. Oh, yeah. So you would, I would think that if you do some research, like check the web and do some uh, looking into the town's websites, you might get an idea. I would think they would be welcoming to any influx of new genetic material or new money. I'm just throwing it out there, Rob, but uh, Farmville is very friendly. Oh, it's awesome. Uh, Jeff writing in says, Cam, I hope things are going well with Miss E. And uh, as you've heard, Jeff, uh, things are what they are. But I yep. appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, they are though. They are what they are. Right now we're yeah. Uh Jeff says I finally found out what eight hour pepper plants down to the nubs. Deer. Ah. I caught two of them hanging the heads over our chicken wire fence. I knew that small animals couldn't get under the chicken wire fence. But, we had them secured down. Yeah. So I guess next year we'll put down some fox urine around the garden. Uh Jeff Human says, hair too. Save your hair from your haircuts. Yep. Yeah, that actually, yeah, that yeah, works. No, so, it works. I know. Jeff in uh, Conestoga, New York, thank you so much, sir. I really appreciate the uh, well wishes. Uh, let's see, Matt and Marsha in uh, Boulder, Colorado says, Cam, hope you had a good day in Colorado. We love living here. Would have been able to, would have loved to have been able to see you at the ATF if we had other commitments. As always, you and Missy are in our thoughts and our prayers. We only get to see you every few years at the NRA meeting, but we follow you at 40 Acres and NRA News. Best wishes to you and the family. And Matt and Marsha, thank you so much. Thank you. Um, also, uh, Simone uh, wrote in, well wishes and finally saying hello. Uh, she said, uh, first and foremost, our deepest thoughts and well wishes go to Miss E. She is strong, darn near a superwoman, and will overcome whatever this turns out to be. That's what a lot of my friends say. So that's, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about that. She, and I'm relatively healthy. So You are relatively healthy. She said, I'm not a theist, but I do believe like our tools, events in our lives can have both positive and negative effects. Yep. Uh, there are some events or aspects, rather. There are some events in my life that now, years later, cause me to smile and even laugh at times. And I do hope the positives of this event provide you and your family many, many years of smiles shared together. Oh, yeah. I'm going to probably lose a couple pounds. And, you know, <laughs> well, even also, with just a lung tumor removed, I'm going to lose a couple pounds. It's all good. Well, and this is how she broke it to me. She did actually do the Arnold voice, and she did say, it's a tumor. It's a tumor. That's how I learned about yeah, this. It's, so. not a, it's not a headache. It's a tumor. <laughs> So I actually have a mason jar set aside for it, and I said, I'm going to name it Arnold. It says Arnold, but I'm pronouncing it Arnold. And I'm totally bringing it to the doctor's appointment tomorrow, and I'm going to ask him if we can put the tumor in the jar. Because I think with a little bit of formaldehyde, he puts the tumor in the jar. He put the tumor in the jar. Um, it'll be the most kick-butt Halloween decoration I have ever had, and that is my favorite holiday, so yeah. Oh, the tumor yeah. named Arnold. There you go. We're yeah. going to have a crazy party this year. Yes, we are. Uh, Simone says, I've listened to you for a little bit, taking my hubby up on his suggestion last year for a new podcast to play during my exercise. 
I loved it so much, I went back and I listened to your podcast from the beginning. Oh, sweet. Uh, in an industry where there are so many angry, screaming, hypocritical people, I love your calm, level-headed approach to topics. So much so that after enjoying 40 Acres, I'm now a daily listener of Cam & Company. Awesome. On podcast. Uh, so, unfortunately, I'm always a day late. That's okay. At least you're not a dollar short, Simone. Um, yeah. Simone says, try not to go full fangirl, but you are. See, I can't read this out loud, Simone, but thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. I can't. I can't do it because it just. Oh come on! Do you want me to? No, no, I don't. Okay, it's fine. Um, Simone says he's uh, blushing. But by the way, even in the dark, I can see his red cheeks. I do appreciate it. That's sweet. Yeah, it is very sweet. Um, My husband Brian, she says, has written you several times of our plans to someday escape California and move to a little hundred acres or so plot of land in a free state, someplace where we can do what we want, whether it's tending farm, raising cattle, enjoying a bit of hunting, or enjoying some shooting on a range. We've both been raised in metropolises, metropoli, mm. uh, him on the East Coast and me on the West, and we are well past ready to move to a small town where people wish you a good day and greeting, as opposed to ignore you or greet you with an expletive. Uh, yeah. Well, I grew up in uh, New Jersey, and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it is funny, because I, I, I mean, it's not that the streets of Farmville are crowded, but there are people walking on the sidewalks, and you do say hello, and you say, hey, how are you doing today? You having a good day? It's kind of, it's rude not to say hello. Ever since I lived in Oklahoma City, I have talked to strangers. I think the children are more embarrassed by me because I will bring up random conversations with people, mm-hmm. but it's because of that Will Self book. Okay, the how the uh, dead live. How the dead live. Uh huh. Yeah the 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 whole theory. This is a really fascinating book. If you haven't read it, you should read it. But so the whole theory about the afterlife is that you just kind of go to a city and you have to find a place to live and you live a, you live you keep going. You have a job and whatever, and you're kind of living in this existence as long as the people in the real world who remember you at all are still alive. Mm-hmm. And so something happens in the real world where huge sections of the afterlife world start disappearing. And I'm going to leave it at that. It's a good book. It's an awesome And I don't book. read a lot of fiction. But, but uh, I have been, I know it's a work of fiction, but I kind of, I live my my mentality. I'll talk to anybody now because I'm going to keep my afterlife living for a really long time. There's a, a van with free candy on the side, too. That's That's a... Just, just teasing. Simone says. No. Um, Simone says we've learned a lot through your adventures on on your forty acres. Uh, you mentioned driving through Virginia and seeing towns that were on the decline. What sort of importance would you place on having a thriving community near your forty acres? Uh, for the past few months, we've been an effort to get to know our prospective new state. Every other month, picking an area and driving around to observe these small cities, which would serve as our local town, and the larger, more populous areas, which would serve as our big city. Uh, Simone says there are too many good areas that have what I would imagine a similar sense of decline that you observed in parts of Virginia. And I wonder if this should be taken into consideration or at least a higher priority that we, than, than we've placed on it. Uh, Simone says we've speculated that areas go through ups and downs, but then Arizona has lots of old western towns that just never overcame their decline. Right. So what are your thoughts? How would things have differed for you if Farmville was in a decline? Uh, that's a, Well, you know what, though? So we didn't know. We didn't know Farmville was even there. Yeah, like we saw the house and she fell in love with the house and, and wanted it. And then we were like, oh, there's stuff nearby. So, right. so we kind of got lucky. Yeah. And we're really sorry we don't have a better answer because truly this was well, the, I have a better answer. the 16th so house the, that we that, found. And we were coming from a, 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 a route that 
made it look like there was nothing for miles and miles and miles and miles. But then we realized after we got here that we were luckier than we thought because we were closer to the gr- a grocery store, closer to a drugstore, closer to a doctor, closer to the schools than we actually realized. Mm-hmm. But no, I fell in love with the house first, and it was kind of like, okay, let's see what happens. But, uh, you know, since I'm an opinionated kind of guy, Simone, I do yeah. have some additional thoughts on that. Yeah. Um, so I don't know that you can predict with 100% certainty whether towns are going to survive or die. You know, look, every every town that had its its basis in manufacturing is running into trouble and has been in trouble for some time. Yeah. It's how these towns are able to reinvent themselves. And for that, it's probably some intangibles. You know, you what you really need are creative people who want to see these towns survive and adapt. And if you have that human capital, then I think that these towns can make a go of it. Um, location does matter. I would say that, you know, if you're looking for maybe look for areas around college towns. I hate to say it, but uh the higher education industry seems to be taking a lot of our money these days, and uh, those towns are probably going to do okay. Uh, even if mm-hmm. you have whole-scale changes in education, you're probably going to have universities and state, you know, uh, especially like land-grant universities. Yeah, I was going to say bigger schools. Higher education, like yeah. The not little tiny one-sex school that end up shutting down. Oh, Sweetbriar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, look for areas around... Uh, 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 educational centers or, you know, if there's a town that's got like the regional hospital or something like that, um, maybe look around those areas. We got lucky with Farmville, two colleges and a hospital. Right. Um, I think that matters because I think what what, one of the things that's going to allow these towns to sort of reinvent themselves, uh, as Miss E said earlier, was, you know, the Internet should make telecommuting uh, possible and it should make it easier. And if we are moving to this sort of knowledge economy where there are fewer manufacturing jobs and there are even fewer retail and service industry jobs, and those jobs are being replaced by the knowledge uh, uh, jobs, then we should be able to do those jobs from anywhere. Yeah. And so that that could like I'm I don't know how optimistic I should be, but theoretically that should. And could lead to a, a, a renewed growth in, you know, 10,000 small towns. Because why, you know, you look at every, you look at how we personalize everything now, right? We Everything yeah. is I something. Yeah. Okay, so why do we have to live in like eight places? Like, why are there only like eight places in the country to live? Why do you have to live in, that's you nice, know, these huge cities? That's the nice thing about the company that I work for is that we do have team members that are, even though they're on my team, we're all over the globe because it's a knowledge-based company. So as long as you can do, you've got an internet connection, it's all good. So anyway, those are my thoughts. Uh, and Simone, thank you again. Feel free to uh, write in and feed my ego any time you wish. Uh, Good luck with all your stuff, too. Thank you, sweetheart. <laughs> uh, and Jason uh, wrote in uh, just uh, as we were starting the uh, the podcast, and I said, Hello, Cam, Missy, and family. I'm sorry to hear that your family's been going through such trying times. Thank you, Jason. Health is often one of those things that I don't pay much attention to until there are big problems. Right. Right. And he says, I wish I knew the words to convey uh, that I feel for your pain and anxiety better. You've often been in my thoughts, and I worry about you and what your family are going through. And I wanted to write you words of encouragement and love, but my anxiety for you has been too great. Never knew the right words to say or how best to say it. Please don't give up the high of the fight. Please don't lose hope. You may feel like you're alone and isolated, but you're not. You have so many people in your corner ready to lift you up and give you the support that you need. Oh, y'all are making me cry tonight. I <laughs> was too sweet, Jason. I really appreciate that. Jason says, uh, two years ago, I was getting some routine blood work done for an insurance physical. When the results came back, my liver enzymes were through the roof. Mm. I went to the doctor who ran additional blood tests and abdominal ultrasounds to get to the bottom of what was happening. The imaging showed that I had many masses in my liver and the doctor thought it could be caused by fatty acid disease, 
uh, non-alcoholic steatohepatitis, and that I should wait six months to be retested to see if it got any worse and showed signs of cancer. He said, I should have gone to a different doctor who would have been more thorough at that point, but I waited those long months not knowing what the prognosis was going to be. I read everything that I could about fatty acid disease, liver cancer, and survival rates, which are not good. Oh, dear. Jason says, I would walk through the cemetery that's adjacent to Utah State University on my way home following work and classes, and I would wonder if I'd be joining my great-grandparents, whose graves I discovered. I had two beautiful young children, four and two, and my wife was pregnant with our third child. It was very difficult for me not to sink into the despair of the unknown and the uncertainty that awaited me. How could I leave my wife and children? What would be my legacy that they would remember me by? I've often taken each day for granted, Jason writes. The seconds, minutes, hours that seem to pass by without much notice. I read once that just as all matter is made of tiny particles of molecules and atoms, so too are the eternities composed of seemingly insignificant moments. These moments, although small and quickly slip away, are a constant reminder to me of the world that I will leave to my children and family that is constantly being built. He I can write so well. He does, Jason. <laughs> you do, Jason. <laughs> uh, I can choose the materials that I use. He says, although I'm not consistent with my efforts, my kind words, my praise for my loved ones, my optimistic attitude, I'm a natural pessimist, writes Jason. Oh, me too. <laughs> and my patience with others. I'm trying to live each day for my family. It's been said that happiness is found in planting trees under whose shade you don't expect to sit. Although it's still difficult to have hope and not give in to my despair, I am trying to believe in building the future that I desperately want to live in. It's been about two years, and I haven't had any change in my health in either direction. When I think things get too hard to keep going, I remember that I just need to live one day at a time. If I can't get through the week, I know I can get through today, even if I have to tell myself that every morning. Hopefully when the sun gets too hot or the rains fall too hard, I will have planted enough trees to shelter those that I love. Aww. My thoughts and prayers are with you. And Jason. My thoughts and prayers are with you, Jason. Absolutely. And that was a uh, that was a beautiful, beautiful letter, Jason. Thank you so much. And uh, I, again, I, I, I hope that uh, you know that you can uh, count on us for support as well. In fact, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the name of the show that I do every day, NRA News, Cam and Company, that show would be nothing without the company. Yeah. And uh, 40 Acres and a Fool, um, you know, I'm the fool, but uh, this podcast would be nothing without you tuning in every week. And we've got more folks that are tuning in every week. And thank you for that. And thank you for sharing. We love hearing from you. Uh, every email matters. And uh, and thank you again for, for being a part of our lives. So... We're going to uh, step away, but we do have, listen, because we love you, yeah, and uh, I know you need a tissue, <laughs> but because we love you, uh, and because we were late with this podcast, I'm going to uh, do another podcast on um, Thursday night. Hopefully, it'll get posted on Friday. And we'll have some news. We'll have at least a plan from the surgeon, and we'll have some ideas. Yep. That's tomorrow. So. so thank you all, and uh, we will talk to you soon. In the meantime, be safe, have fun, live a little, learn a lot. And we'll talk to you soon here on 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Night, y'all. You're listening to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network.